So we're going to be in Luke 2 this morning as we continue our conversation on Advent uh, here in just a moment. A couple of quick announcements. Ladies DNA, Wednesday night at 6.30. Last time to meet in December, and we're shifting gears in January. We need to have some talks about this, uh, about how we want to structure that. I'd like us to launch two uh, different type DNA groups, uh, non-gender specific, available to you to come with your spouse or your girlfriend or whatever you got, um, so that there's an open door for some of you that have been, it's been difficult to... <clears throat> to navigate when you got family and you got spouses and you got this and you got that and you're trying to make it and it's just hard and we recognize that so we want to just adjust a little bit and see if that helps you um, so in January we hope to make that available uh, we need to have some conversations about structure though next Sunday we want to do brunch so that means bring your favorite brunch item Shelly said that she's bringing Sausage balls. Um, if you're like me, you're like brunch. Sam knows what brunch is, so if you have any questions about what brunch is, go to Sam, and he'll tell you what you should bring. He's the the cooking connoisseur. <laughs> Cinnamon roll, but it's not breakfast. It's brunch. It's like, see, it's a little meatier than breakfast, but it's right. Casseroles would be good. Cinnamon rolls, anything that ends with O's. Casseroles, cinnamon rolls. Cheerios. No, no fruit. Fruit's good for somebody. Please bring fruit. Uh, and we're going to also next Sunday be uh, wrapping presents. That um, Shay and I have been uh, hitting up the city, uh, getting people to cooperate and partner with us in order to sponsor kids through our elementary school for Christmas. Um, so we've uh, committed to sponsor 14 kids through our local elementary school. Some of you are going to buy presents for that. Um, we're going to be chasing people down this week that committed and see if they'll get those presents from them. Uh, and then next Sunday, we're going to bring them all here and we're going to have a Christmas wrapping party. So we'll have brunch together, we'll worship together, and we'll wrap presents together. Sounds like a pretty awesome morning. Uh, Tony, you can put your gift wrapping skills to work. And Shay can put his wrapping skills to work while we gift wrap. But his wife will not be proud because she says, I don't like it. She just don't know. Hmm. So that's next Sunday. And then the last Sunday before Christmas will be the following Sunday. We just realized we're going to do it just like Christmas morning, right? Christmas worship gathering. Um, and even while we're worshiping here, I'm like, we should do like a family worship gathering so you don't have to get rid of your kids. We'll do something that's engaging. We'll probably share communion together. We'll worship together. It'll feel very Christmassy. So invite somebody to come celebrate Christmas with us on the 22nd. Good open door uh, just for uh, Christmas celebration that morning. Okay? Family Christmas gathering on the 22nd in here. What are we doing next week, Leslie? What's next week? Brunch and gift. I'm just seeing if you're listening. Seeing if you're listening. <laughs> She's like, ugh. Uh, did, you, did you say something? All right, so week two of our Advent conversation. Anybody remember what Advent was? What's Advent mean? comes from a Latin word. It's close, the countdown. 
The coming, arriving of what? What is specifically Advent for us in this season? The coming or arrival of what? Christ. And Christ is not a name. Christ is a title. The Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one to be the Savior of the world. Okay? Christ is not Jesus' last name. Uh, we had a pastor, uh, African-American pastor in Mississippi. He always said, Jesus the Christ. And it's like, yeah, that's right. That's, that's more right than Jesus Christ. Jesus the Christ. That's, his, that's who he is. It's what, that's the role he came to fulfill. It's the arrival, the coming of the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior that God had promised for hundreds and hundreds of years. Okay? So we're going to be in Luke 2 this morning. Who wrote the book of Luke? Good job. Good job. People think it's a trick question, but it's not. It was Luke. Uh, it, it was titled after the author. So uh, Luke wrote the book of Luke. It is the gospel of Luke, meaning good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. That's why we call it the gospel. The gospel means good news. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 20 here in a moment. But we're going to open up with our question of the morning. Reaction versus response. How are those two the same and how might they differ? Okay. So maybe reaction. Man, y'all remember the question. I need room. I need to erase my Christmas lights. So maybe reaction is gut, Oop, I almost put response. In response, Stephen says, maybe more thought out. Anybody else? Got anything to add from that? Take away from that? If you don't agree with Stephen, you can duel. Anything? Bueller? Do I need to text Mike right now? Because Mike has crickets on his phone when I text him. <laughs> we were in our DNA group on Wednesday, and I asked a question, nobody answered it, and then somebody texted Mike, and said, trip, 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 trip. I'm like, that was profoundly, like, right on, right on. Anything else y'all want to add to? Okay. Both of them, you are taking action to a current stimulus or a current situation? Okay. <clears throat> so, another way of saying, got it, that's immediate. And Mike says, maybe the thought out process therefore delays or delayed. <clears throat> Reaction is immediate, response may be delayed. Uh, the notes I had said reaction is instant, so that goes with what you had. Uh, and psychology.com says that it's the unconscious mind running the show in a reaction. The, uncon it's, the reaction is the response of your unconscious mind. It's just like, it's like hitting your knee. And it's like, you just don't even have to think about it. It's just a reflex. It's just what you do. It's what happens according to the stimulus. And the response comes more slowly, exactly like y'all said, based on info from the conscious and the unconscious mind, right? It's like, it's, it's a combination of reaction and intentionality. 
Okay. Mm. That's why I invite the doctor this morning. Y'all didn't know how smart I was until Mike confirmed it, did you? <laughs> so if you waited for a response, you'd be melted. See? So a reaction could be a self-preservation built-in thing, right? That it, it senses fear, it senses attack, it senses this, so therefore the, the unconscious has a natural reaction to it. Um, so keep that in the back of your mind, in the conscious part of your mind. Keep that there, and let's look at Luke 2, verses 8 through 20. <clears throat> Here we are, just post in, in the verse, Luke 2, 1 through 8, Jesus is uh, born in the town of Bethlehem, uh, and that was the section of Luke where it says there was no room for them in the guest house or the inn. So um, Jesus was born in this manger setting. I'm not going to debate what that looked like at this time. Could have been a cave, could have been a barn. Most people think it was probably a cave, not the typical barn. I'm not here to argue that right now. I just want you to know where we're at in the storyline. Uh, so let's pick it up in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. In the same region, same region where Jesus has just been born, Shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch over the night over their flock. And the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped tightly in a cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, peace on earth to people he favors. And the angels had left them and returned to heaven. The shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all things were the all things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Shepherds were doing what shepherds do, right? They're out in the field, tending the flock. They're just being shepherds. Everyday life of a shepherd. And the advent of Jesus broke into their everyday life. And that's the scenario we have here. That's what we just read. Shepherds doing what shepherds, everyday life, the coming, the arrival of Jesus, the advent of Jesus, just disrupted, came right smack dab in the middle of everyday life for the shepherds and broke up the monotony of everyday life. The reaction, the reaction of the shepherds was fear. The reaction was fear. They were taken back. They were shocked and on their heels, if you will. Right? It's like the angel of the Lord comes and appears and they're like, oh, and they're on their heels. They're afraid. 
It's like this moment, this event has just completely derailed everyday life for them and just come and met with them. And now here they are with the reaction of fear. So the angel spoke directly to their fear and said, what? Do not be afraid. For I bring to you good news of great joy. Right, so the angel comes to them and, and they're afraid. The angels hear the glory of the Lord shown around them and they're fearful, afraid. And he says, don't be afraid because I have good news for you. This is, this is a message of good news. And the response, the reaction was fear. The response, on the other hand, will come more slowly as they consider what to do with what they had seen and heard. Okay? The reaction was fear, but the response would come more slowly and more deliberately as they processed what they had just seen and what they had just heard. What options exist when responding to an unfamiliar message or messenger? What options? Let's say that you're just going through everyday life, you're just doing what you do, and then this this um, just unexpected messenger or message is presented to you in your life. What are the options that we have for how to react or respond to this unexpected message or messenger? And this could be anything, right? This could be anything. This could be a messenger of a message about Jesus. This could be a messenger or a message about politics, culture. Any, I mean, it could be anything, right? So what are the options that we have for reacting or responding to unexpected messages? Okay. Good. We could doubt. Right? It's like this is an unexpected message. Wasn't even thinking about thinking about it. But now here it is. And ah, I don't know. Ah, I don't know. Okay. Okay. So I can shake it off. Disregard it. That was unexpected. Not relevant. Don't. Don't want to take the time to process. Just, let's just disregard it. It's act like this message or messenger wasn't presented, right? It's another option. What else? Anger. anger. Why do we get angry? Sorry, that was anger. Why would we get angry or feel anger? When an unexpected messenger messenger comes into our life, what, what would provoke that anger in, internally? Oh, man. Yeah, it's just a, a disruption of either my actions or my thought process. Either one of those, right? The shepherds could be like, <laughs> we ain't got time for this. I got sheep, right? And just you're, you're disrupting the flow of everyday life or... In an internal state, it's, it's just like that. It's like, ah, it just irritates unto anger when this unexpected message wants to disrupt your thought process or your, your view of something, right? What else? What's a potential response or reaction? 
Yeah, I could like receive and act. Now, that's a that's a potential response. It's like this unexpected thing comes, and I'm gonna I'm gonna process it, and I'm gonna receive it, and then I'm gonna go that direction. It's possible. We could do that. Um, I got a couple. I could... Defensiveness. I could grow defensive against that message or messenger. Um, it's another option. Anybody else got any? Pull back. We could. Yeah. Yeah. When things are unknown, we we do have a tendency to pull back and retreat, right? It's like I don't I don't want to go here because I don't know what's on the other side of the door. Or you can get opposition. And that's maybe piece of the angry is push back. We see that a lot in our culture today, especially on social media worlds. It's like, if you're a messenger of something different than my everyday life, I'm going to push back. Right? Very, very few people pull back on social media. You pull back at work in context of face-to-face. That's your response in, in those messenger. But it's interesting on like social media world, people are a little more bold and they push back instead of pull back. Very few people pull back on social I wish they would. It'd be a good thing to practice. Yeah, I got a couple more for you. Um, um, you could, I got a few that rhyme. Naturalize, humanize, right? If, if especially like with the, the angels that came to the shepherds and like, they've got this really big message that's like supernatural and spiritual. They could humanize what they just saw. There's like, oh, well, that was... Not what we thought it was. Here's how we explain what we just saw. Here's how to just humanize and naturalize what we just saw and heard. You know, it's, it's really not what we thought we heard. There's a, there's a really clear, simple explanation to simplify and humanize that message that we just heard, right? So it doesn't need to be that. Uh, and I'm going to go with Tony's, maybe another part of receiving. Um, a step before that, I could actually investigate. Here's this unexpected message. <laughs> this messenger came out of nowhere in my everyday life, and now he, this, this thing was spoken. What if, like, my reaction is to pull back or to push back, but what if I stopped for a second and I actually gave a response and not a reaction, and my response was to investigate what I just heard? Instead of pushing or pulling, I'm just going to slow down and respond with an investigation uh, to consider that. So there's a lot of options when, when this unexpected messenger messenger comes into our lives, breaks into everyday life. Um, but they said, in, in Luke 2, the, the shepherds responded. They said, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what happened. Uh, that falls under the investigate. Right? The shepherds didn't humanize, didn't naturalize, didn't get defensive, 
didn't, they didn't even immediately leave. It's just not like they, it's like, the Messiah has come, he's in a manger, he's over there. It happened. They're just like, nah, why don't we go and see? Why don't we check it out? Why don't we see if what we just heard is true? Let's investigate it and see if it's a, a, a trustworthy message. Let's go see. Let's step into what we are not sure of. That's what the, the shepherds did. They, they heard the message and they're like, we're going to go to this town, to Bethlehem, and we're, gonna, we're, we're unsure about what we just saw and heard, but we're going to step into it anyways. Um, let's give God the chance to confirm himself. If this really is a message of God, they, they, they said, we're going to go investigate and allow him the opportunity to confirm himself. That's what the shepherds did. Um, so I was trying to process this and process my own life. And for years, <clears throat> my life was marked by avoiding... I didn't put avoiding on there, so I'm going to write that now. Avoid the messenger. My life was marked by avoiding, maybe disregarding, um, and at times, possibly even defensiveness. Like that was my response uh, to Jesus. Which is interesting, because I was eight years old when I said, I believe in Jesus, I want to, you know... Uh, Holy Spirit came and gave me faith, and I, I said yes to Jesus at eight years old. But then it's interesting for the next 13 years, like avoiding the messenger, defensiveness to my own life and my own choices, um, and just disregarding in general the messenger and the message of Jesus. That was pretty much what marked my life. Um, and I think about how many messengers interrupted my everyday life. And did I react or did I respond? Because I can look back at my life and I can look back over the years and I can think about sitting under pastors and under conviction for the message that they were proclaiming over my life. And I, I, remember, I remember reacting instead of responding. You flinch, you're like, ah, just, I hear that, but I'm going to kind of take cover, like personally and spiritually, from what you're proclaiming over my life right now, and I can react. I, I didn't respond. I remember feeling it. I remember hearing it, and I remember just kind of backing up, taking cover. I remember a guy that walked into Wendy's. Me and a friend of mine were sitting in a Wendy's. I think we were on university. I assume we were on our way to the bar, <laughs> just ironically. Uh, on our way to the club, me and a friend of mine was sitting at a Wendy's, and this guy came in and sat at our table and began to proclaim the message of Jesus over our life at Wendy's on university. And it was a messenger that broke into my everyday life and disrupted my flow, and I reacted. I didn't respond. It's like I just took that gut, immediate, take cover, avoid, push it back, this didn't really happen. I don't need to face the message that he's proclaiming over my life right now. I remember that very vividly. That was most definitely a reaction. Um, and then I think about what, what shifted in my life. And 
a couple of years ago, I realized that when Shelly and I got into a relationship, I've said that it's a couple different ways, but in, in this context, I feel like my relationship with Shelly slowed me down and God used her as a messenger in my life. And for the first time, I actually wanted to be with her. I wanted to have a relationship with her. So therefore, when she became the messenger in my life to present this message of Jesus over my life, for the first time, I didn't react. But my relationship with her slowed me down to where I eventually responded. Does that make sense? Like when the dude at Wendy's comes in, I can react. Don't see him. I never hadn't seen him since. Or if I have, I don't know who he was. Like this messenger broke into my life. But when, when the messenger became my girlfriend, my future fiance, my future wife, it slowed me down and became a more thoughtful, delayed response instead of a knee-jerk reaction. Um, and I found myself wanting to be close to her, responding to the message, and I found myself closer to Jesus when she was the messenger because I slowed down and I responded instead of reacted. Um, and here's what happened. When the, when the shepherds gave God a chance to confirm his message, like he confirmed it. Like Everything was as the message said it would be. And, and I found myself over the years, we're going to be married 15 years in March. So that's almost 18 years together. I found myself in the last 18 years, God has confirmed himself over and over and over and over. As I slowed down to a response instead of a knee-jerk reaction to the gospel, I found in 18 years God has done nothing but confirm his message over and over and over. When I slowed down to a response. So question is this. What if the shepherds chose, to res- chose a response other than going to Bethlehem? Right. So the shepherds see the angel. Behold, I bring good, good news, great joy. For today in the town of Bethlehem, a Savior has been the Christ, the Messiah. He's there, wrapped in swaddling clothes. Go, you can go see him right now. Go see him. Confirm. What if they had chose something other than going to Bethlehem to see this thing? Other than pressing into the arrival or the advent of Jesus. What would have happened? Well, just, just think about that. Play that story out. What would have happened? Okay. encountered him in a completely separate way after that. Could have been their last encounter with the message. Could have been their last encounter with Jesus. They, they, they would have been missed being a part of this narrative, right? The redemptive narrative of the entire world where Jesus breaks into creation in order to 
draw everyone to himself, that he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is the creator of the world. And he has said, I am making a way that you may be reunited with me, reconciled. I am redeeming all that is broken, making new everything, including you. And here we have like these shepherds in this field and they're like this piece of this narrative that is a world moment in world history of God pulling people to himself and they would have missed being a part of that narrative, which is pretty incredible to think that these random shepherds out here in the field get to be a part of this narrative that's told over and 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 over. What else? What, just assume for a second, what happens if they don't go into Bethlehem and see this thing? So the message, the, the birth happened, so what would have happened some other way? Like, someone else would have got the message out. Or yeah, some, somebody else would have stepped into their role. Right. Yeah, God used them as messengers to proclaim the event, and God, God would have done it some other way, right? But they'd have missed out in their role. Uh, they, would have been, they would have been replaced in the narrative. Okay. Miss being a part of the storyline global and locally, I think about globally, like you and I are still telling this narrative, but locally I still think about internally in their life, like the local personal implications of missing out on that would have been huge. And last thing I had go along with this is uh, they would have missed out on the great joy. I'm bringing to you a message of great joy. All right, this is good news of great joy that I bring for all people. And if they instead push back, disregard, get defensive, naturalize, do whatever they do, and they go somewhere other than Bethlehem, then the, the message of great joy that they were invited into, they miss out on the great joy that's promised in it because they chose to do something else. Um, <clears throat> so, when they went into Bethlehem, it says all things were just as it had been told. Everything was just like they said. Everything the, everything the angel said. Swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Everything was exactly like they had been told. Jesus was where they said he'd be. He was as they said he would be. And the joy was as it was promised to be. Like everything not just the baby in a manger, but the joy and everything that comes out of it was just like they had been told. Every statement fulfilled. Every promise was true. Man, I just... So here's... here's, here's I'm going to invite you into the questions that go through my brain. This is not like me asking you to answer this. This is what I ask as I go through this process. Do I expect each of you and those in our city to find Jesus to be just as I have told. 
Do I really expect that? Like when I stand here and I make great boasts and great promises about the potential of the gospel and the potential of what God wants to do in your life and the potential of what God's going to do in this city. And when I think about how he's going to bring healing, when I think about how he's going to bring influence in your life, when I think about how he's going to restore things that are broken, when I think about all these things, do I really think these things are going to be found true just as I have said them, right? Um, do I expect miracles, transformation? Do I expect you to have an increase of revelation that God's going to speak directly to you, not through me, but to you as you open up his scriptures, as you slow down and you pray and you listen? Do I really think that revelation is going to come to you and through you? Do I really think that you're going to get a new heart in this process? That like I said a few weeks ago, that he's not just, God's not here to, Jesus didn't come to help you have new habits, but he wants to help you have a new heart. He's going to rewrite your DNA, that you're going to think different, see different, feel different, want different, hope different. And I really think these things are going to be found by you to be exactly like I'm saying. And, and, and my gut reaction, my reaction is yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I wouldn't have given up my entire life, stopped everything I was doing in my entire life to start something that doesn't exist with, based on something that I didn't think was really true, right? If I didn't think that the gospel had potential to completely transform and overhaul our city, then I wouldn't have done any of this. So my gut reaction is, is absolutely, I believe this. But... Like, and I'm sitting there and I'm asking myself this question this week and I'm like, emphatically, yes. But then I have to slow my heart and I slow my mind and I say, you know what, but we're waiting to see how each one of you and how our city reacts or responds to the message. I mean, with every fiber of my being, I believe that if you respond and press in and you receive and you act upon the message that we're giving you, I believe with every fiber of my being that you will come back to me one day and say, everything's just as we've been told. It's all true. It's far better than what I thought. Every bit of it. And I know that, to be certain, but, but we're waiting. We're waiting to see how each of us reacts or responds to the message at hand. We're waiting to see how our city reacts or responds to the message at hand. Here's the thing. We are all, every one of us, right now, being presented a fresh message in our everyday life. Every one of us. This is not just for those of you who have like, you know what? I actually never given Jesus a chance. Never even thought about this. There's a fresh message in here for you. But you know what? Those of you that grew up in church and you've heard the name of Jesus, like almost every year, there's a fresh message that God's laying before you inviting you to receive, inviting you to take action upon. This is not a one-time message. It says, I choose Jesus, and now the message is never new. The message is never fresh. No, there's a, 
We're talking DNA group. There's a fresh message that God's laying before you and said, hey guys, how are you going to react or respond to what I'm placing in front of you? So I don't even know if I want you to answer this question out loud, but if you do feel like you want to answer it out loud, answer it out loud. Because I don't know what my intent is right now. What is the message being presented to which you will respond in some fashion? Like when you think about how this message is broken to your everyday life and it begins to like disrupt your thought process and it's like, didn't see that coming. Oh crap, what am I going to do with what I've seen and heard? Like what are you seeing and hearing that God's like, he's like, I want to make that known. And we're going to see, you will respond or react in some sort of fashion and we're going to see how you do. What is that message in your life at this point? Like I said, I didn't know if that was an out loud answer question or not. But I hope you've identified it in your mind and you're just, because if you say it out loud, you, you know you're more accountable to respond to it in some way. Is that true? Like if I just keep it in my head, I'm like, Psh, no, I'm cool, dude. Like I don't have, no, there's nothing going on in here, bro. Like no, Jesus just got laid before you. Right? And it's like, I bring to you a message of good news, great joy for all humanity. And it comes through this Jesus who was born in a manger 2,000 years ago, promised from a prophet 2,700 years ago. He was promised through Abraham that he would bless all nations of the world through Abraham's seed. This is the promise of global history where God is restoring humanity to himself, that we have sinned against him, rebelled against him, and it has broken us. Isaiah says that your sins have hidden you from God, that he cannot see you or hear you. It is our sin that has created this great division between us and him. And it is the promise, Jesus, here comes the, the, the Messiah, the Savior, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world that you and I might be reunited and restored into the presence of our Creator. Some of you are faced with this for the first time, either in a long time or ever. Some of you are faced with the fact that you have been called to other use. That you have a role in this narrative, that he is revealing things that to the shepherds, there was a local personal reality that this hit home in their heart and in their mind and in their house and in their field. But then we're still talking about these guys today. Their role in the narrative of God's restoration of the world lives on. Some of you are facing the local internal wrestling. Some of you God wants to turn inside out. We're all wrestling with a fresh message. We're all going to respond in some form or fashion. And here's what I want you to know. 
How you respond determines what you're going to see. Like if you if you gotta go with your gut reaction, this is a man, new message disrupts everyday life. I was doing great before I came in contact with this. Like I'm rocking and rolling in my business. I ain't got to worry about nothing. Just everything I want is just it's happening. And now this message wants to invade my life and it wants to disrupt everyday things. And I'm out. Right? I'm gonna disregard it. Like, I doubt it, so I'm going to disregard it. I'm out. How you respond will decide what you see. If you go with your gut reaction because it disrupts your everyday flow, that's all you get. When I was younger, it's funny, Michael wants to be a veterinarian. Not anymore. And I think my, my vision of being a veterinarian expired about the same time Micah's did. I remember when I was a kid, what do you want to do? I want to be a vet. Why? Because I love dogs. I don't like dogs now. I don't have enough room in my life for dogs now. I mean, they're cool and all, but I got four kids. When they're gone, I'll like dogs again. Right? When I was young, I wanted to be a vet. And then I considered, because I, I got into rodeo and I got into all these things, I was like, Man, I've broke so many bones. I want to be a sports medicine person. I want to be the guy that wraps bandages. I want to be at the game or at the rodeo, and I want to be the sports medicine person out there. And I had that vision for my life. Um, and ever since I was a teenager, I found out that I like working with my hands, and I like using my creative side of my brain. Right? And then I realized that that can become something, too. Um, never once, never once, Never once did anybody ask me, say, what do you want to do? I want to be a pastor. I want to preach. I want to start churches. Never came out of my lips because it was never on a possible list. Never once. Until the day that I went to my wife and I said, I think God wants me to be a ministry. You know what my wife said? You need to think again. Like, you're wrong. He doesn't want that for you. He doesn't want that for me. Why did she respond that way? Because it wasn't on the radar. <laughs> Looking back, I see how a response when I met my wife 18 years ago led to a revelation where God confirmed himself over and over and over and over and over and over the course of years, it became a decade. Everything that I wasn't sure of, I became sure of. Everything that I doubted, I became certain of. Everything that I feared, I became confident in. And I see how that response turned into where I'm at today. And then at some point, at some point, Everything that I've seen, because of that response, I began to want others to see as well. And here I am. Right? And it's not to elevate me or my story. That's just to explain to you, each and every one of us 
has this life that's waiting on us that we can't even imagine right now. Each and every one of us. You have a future that you can't even dream of right now. But how you respond is going to have a great impact on what you see. As you begin responding instead of reacting, pressing into instead of running away from the advent of Jesus, I promise you, I promise you, find everything just as you've been told. I promise. But you gotta, you gotta move away from the reaction, the flinching, the knee jerks, the hiding, the running, the pushing. You gotta slow yourself. You gotta listen. You gotta receive. You gotta investigate. You gotta go to the other side of the door and see if what you've been told is true. Guys at our DNA group, everything I said Wednesday night's true. And you're going to find that to be the case. When you turn your life and, and you invite others to the table and you begin to walk with others and pointing them towards Jesus in their everyday life, even though that's a strange thing that, that you're like, well, 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 well. It's going to be just like I told you. It's going to be better. You're going to come with revelations I didn't know. Wisdom I don't have. And then we're going to sit at the table again five years from now. And you're going to look back and you're going to see all these people following Jesus because you invited them to the table. Anyway, dude, you didn't even have a clue because it was greater. Those that were inviting to Jesus, you're like, man. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, no, yeah. It's better. I can't even describe the life that God has in store for you when you just slow down and you respond and you press in instead of running away. I cannot explain the plans that he has for you, but I know that you'll find it to be everything you've been told.
kind of kind of suppress that reaction. It's like, I know this is a strange message and I know the way that I want to flinch to it. But like you said, I'm, I'm going to recognize that we've all got built-in reactions, built-in fight-or-flight things. Instead of doing that, let me slow down. Let me check this out. Let me press into it. See what happens. All right. And that's the purpose of Advent that we defined last week, that we are moving into intentionally into the Advent season to increase anticipation for the coming of Christ. Right? The implications will be global and local upon your response to the strange message that's invaded your everyday life. Right? I used to read the Bible, I bet. Really? <laughs> I mean, like, even Mike was just saying that. He's like, angels, lights. And your first response is like, really? I used to read the Bible. I used to read like Jesus like spit into the mud and like, then he like wiped it on the blind man's face and the blind man's like, I could see. And my response was, really? Right? But you know what, Shay? 18 years ago, it sounded ridiculous. I slowed down. I gave a thoughtful and delayed response, and God has affirmed and confirmed himself over and over to the point that I look at those things, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I still empathize with the ridiculous nature of when you read that, but now it has, the last 18 years, has increased my anticipation that I'm going to see even greater things than that. In 18 years. That's what God's done in my heart and in my life, and he's taken me from that to this. I believe that each and every one of us has a life 
that God has in store that we can't even dream of right now. And whether or not you see that in some part is dependent upon whether you react or respond. Right? Some part of that. God's faithful. I, I get all that. But we've got to slow down and we've got to receive it. Even, and at some point, at some point in our story, and here's the thing. At some point in our story, you're going to say exactly what Shay said. But you're going to say, I'll receive it anyways. Receive it anyways. It was like when we baptized AJ here last Easter, right? And I sat and I listened. I shared the gospel with AJ for three years. You know what he did? He came back with questions after questions after question after question. He's like, yeah, but what about this? Like, yeah, I see that, but what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And then when I sat down with lunch after, after he said yes, I said, what's different? He's like, you know, I still got questions. They just don't matter anymore. Because at some point, I received it even though I couldn't explain every single detail about it. And whether you're having a first call to Christ right now and he's saying receive, 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 or whether you did that a long time ago and he's saying here's the new message that I'm giving to you so we can move further, deeper, different, at some point you're going to have that same response. Says, I can't explain it all. I don't know how this fleshes out entirely. But yeah, man. And at some point you'll go from 18 years saying, that sounded silly when I read that. To like, I read it and I'm like, ooh, what's going to happen next? Something's coming in my world too. If he's wiping mud on blind man's eyes, he's about to do something in here too. He's about to do something in here too. And I can't explain that shift to you other than that shift happens. It's crazy. It's crazy. Here's what it would look like if you're considering responding to Jesus the first time. Here's what it would look like. It would look like you praying to God and saying, you know what? I have sin. It's divided me and you. I want that taken away so that I can be reunited with you. I believe that Jesus is the only one that can do that. So I put my trust in him. Please Save me. Remove that sin from my life because of what Jesus did on the cross. I want to start this relationship with you right now. It'll begin by praying. It moves into, go from praying to professing. How do we do that? We do through, through baptism. You're baptized to show, to show that, that you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And you too lay down your old life and you come to live a new life. It begins by praying professing and then we just continue to walk together until we all grow up into the image of Christ and helping others do the same and that's where some of you are at right now you're being called to help others do the same yeah but what's it look like here yeah but what's that but what but what but but what at some point you just say I'm in I don't know how much it costs it costs everything I don't know what's going to take. It's going to take everything. But I'm in. Because it's going to be just as you've been told. It's going to be good. Let me pray. God, we love you. But even, even as we say that, Jesus said, it's, it's not that we love you, but that you have loved us.